Michigan's Children proudly presents Speaking for Kids, the podcast where we explore crucial conversations impacting the lives of all Michigan children, youth, and families, especially the most vulnerable. Join us each month as we explore public policies and issues in the best interest of our kids and families. We'll bring you lawmakers and policymakers, advocates fighting for change, and the people most affected by those decisions. With our host, Matt Gillard, president and CEO of Michigan's Children, we'll invite you to become engaged too and show you how to take action on what matters most to you. Episodes are recorded live and shared virtually on YouTube and the audio hosting sites, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Speaking for Kids, a podcast for Michigan's Children. I'm Matt Gillard, the president and CEO of Michigan's Children, and your host for this. Uh, today, we're welcome. We're, we're happy to have a return guest for us on Speaking for Kids, Jeff Capizano, who's the president of the Policy Equity Group. About a year ago, we had Jeff and Don Bell, who at the time was at the Early Childhood Investment Corporation, on to talk about a plan that Jeff's group had been commissioned uh, to put together as kind of an implementation guidelines for implementing universal pre-K here in Michigan. Um, as many of you listeners know, a big piece of the governor's budget proposal for this year and, and for last year as well has been around this movement towards providing universal access to, to free preschool for all four-year-olds in Michigan. Um, and there's been, frankly, a lot of concern amongst folks with throughout the early childhood system on the impact that that may have on different aspects of the of the early childhood system and namely child care. Uh, so Jeff's group was commissioned to, to put together this implementation plan, uh, hopefully a guiding principles document for us uh, for things to consider as we move towards this implementation of universal pre-K. So now that report's out, Jeff, why don't you uh, jump in? You can introduce yourself quickly and kind of give us kind of the highlights to start this conversation on on what came out in this report that's been that's been presented. Sounds great, Matt. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Jeff Capizano, president of the Policy Equity Group. Uh, we're an early childhood consultancy uh, out of Washington, D.C., and had the privilege of working with the University of Michigan and Southern Imaginations on uh, the implementation plan for, for pre-K for all. Uh, I think, as you guys know, you know, last January, the, you know, governor put forth a pretty ambitious goal of uh, providing, you know, universal pre-K for all four-year-olds in the state. And so pretty, pretty heavy lift. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is really, you know, figure out, like, what does the research say about what's what high quality pre-K looks like? You know, what do the stakeholders want? And so we ended up spending a year really working, um, looking at other states, looking at the research, and then spending a lot of time talking to stakeholders. So we did community listening sessions across the state. Um, we opened a sort of a portal for for comments. We got 4,000 people that commented on sort of what, what they wanted to see for pre-K for all. And, um, you know, we hope that as you listen to the you know the recommendations that you hear if you were a part of that process that you hear sort of you know your input sort of in, into this i think the you know the the roadmap really was designed to answer three questions related to implementation you know the first one was really you know, how do you build capacity to to meet this ambitious goal of, of serving so many children so quickly uh, the second was how do you get families to enroll how do you maybe work on um you know making the the pre-k program more accessible to families making it work better for working families and how do you get them sort of excited about enrollment and then the third is as you as you know matt you know, this is really about sort of one year of age 
you know, in the birth to five continuum. So the question is, you know, how do you make this one initiative for this one age group work within sort of the system? And so those are the questions that we, you know, we set forth to answer. You know, we had all of this research, we had the input, and then we were guided by this amazing group of, of state stakeholders called the, called the Pre-K for All Action Team that, you know, Superintendent Rice was on it, Tim Bartik, like a, really some, some really great thinkers at the state level that helped to guide sort of the recommendations. And so using all of that, sort of we came up with sort of what we think are like four core stories um, related to the, um, you know, to what we think the state should be doing. I think, you know, the first one is really about... Um, making sure that, you know, there are 22,000 kids that are in private pay settings right now and community-based settings. And so we wanted to make sure that they had an opportunity to participate in pre-K for all, that they weren't going to be losing their four-year-olds to other, um, uh, you know, to, to, you know, to school-based programs. We want to be able to keep them where they are. And so, you know, we have a set of recommendations related to how that would work. Um, another big thing is when you think about sort of the workforce, um, you know, the the key issue is compensation. And so, you know, thinking about sort of ways in which to, um, you know, adequately compensate the pre-K workforce, making sure that they are paid on par with K-12 teachers and 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 hoping that that will be a, a way in which we, we sort of develop the workforce. Um, also, you know, thinking about kind of the integration of, uh, of early childhood or, or the, the pre-K for all within the early childhood spectrum, thinking about, you know, you're funding this, but, you know, providing recommendations related to, you know, infant and toddler supports related to sort of before and after school care and things like that, making sure that this isn't the only funding that's happening within the system that you're funding sort of the entire system. And then um, with regard to sort of enrollment, you know, really thinking about expanding, um, you know, pre-K to five days a week, incentivizing that, making sure that working families, um, you know, it makes sense for working families that they have to work as hard to sort of patch together childcare, making it uh, pre-K for all universally eligible to, you know, to make it easier sort of to get the classrooms filled and things like that. So those are kind of the highlights, happy to dig into any of those that you that you want to talk more about. And sorry, I talked it long, so. But. No, that's perfect. No, is, I'm glad you jumped into kind of the four keys. We had one of your colleagues on a different program yesterday and she kind of outlined those same kind of four themes. So is it safe to say that those kind of, those four themes are what emerged from the stakeholders? I mean, I think it's amazing that you talked to over 4,000 stakeholders or connected with over 4,000 stakeholders in putting together this this plan and are those the themes that that emerged from that level of conversation from folks throughout the state right yeah absolutely and i think one of the things that we tried to do in in the actual report is we talk first about what we heard from stakeholders and then how we responded and so you know one of the things we heard very clearly from the child care community is like we are very scared that we are going to lose our four-year-olds and so uh, we wanted to sort of make sure that we reflected that in the recommendations to be, okay, you know, we want to make sure in this plan that, and, and a lot of the reason why these pr providers are so worried is that the current GSRP standards, particularly around the teacher credentials, are, are too high for them to be able to meet, right? And so the question is, how do you preserve sort of the quality that is ingrained in a lot of the GSRP credentials, but also provide a pathway for community-based providers to be a part of this? And so what we do in the plan is we see the GSRP standards currently as the as the destination, right? It's not the gateway that 
lets people, lets providers in or out. It actually provides like the goals that we want to meet. And so we let these providers in, we fund them, and then we give them uh, a pretty long runway in order to try to meet those those um, those standards ultimately. So it's a, like a six year runway for, for many of the standards. And so, um, and so that's kind of, you know, we heard loud and clear that that's what the uh, the community-based providers were worried about. And so, you know, we, we responded with that accordingly. Uh, similarly around um, making sure that we're, it, this works for working families, the five day a week uh, recommendation was really uh, in response to families being like, you know, you know, GSRP is a, you know, part day, part week, part year program, that's not really working for my full-time schedule. Um, we need to work on that. So yeah, so we were trying to be as responsive as we could to to all of the all of the stakeholder feedback. Yeah, no, and that's great. And like I said, all right, so a couple of things before maybe we get to it. So the, the plan's out there now. Where can people find it? I know there's an executive summary. Um, is there an easy place where if people wanted to, to look at this more closely, they could find it? Yeah, it's on the MyLeap website and uh, you can, you know, you can Google pre-K for all Michigan and it, that's the first thing that pops up on the Google search or you can go to the MyLeap website to find it. Um, and I, yeah, I would encourage, so, so we try to make it as accessible as possible. We have a longer report um, that's pretty long and dense and really has all of the, you know, here's what we heard, here's what we did, all of the methodology. And then we have an implementation brief that it that provides the highlights. So uh, you can dig deep or you can just get get the highlights and both both are on the, the MyLeap website. Great, all right. So now let's kind of dig into what this means, right? And so this is really where I think, you know, from our standpoint as an advocacy organization and for, from people on the ground, either in the childcare field or, or parents of, of four-year-olds or soon to be four-year-olds, what does this all mean? So, I mean, we and we talked a lot about this on a different program yesterday um, on a lunch and learn, but implementation obviously is a key, right? That's what this is yeah. all about, right? So the governor sets a vision, sets a goal, says we should have free access to free four-year-old preschool for every four-year-old in Michigan. Great. How that's implemented is really the nuts and bolts and what we're talking about. Yeah. So uh, you know, in a, to oversimplify this, I mean, the idea is is that your group working with all these stakeholders puts together this plan. And then the governor and legislature, you know, collectively implement that plan through the appropriations process and through the legislative process. Obviously, it doesn't always work out that way. And isn't yeah. that as simple as, as I just stated yeah. it to be. That said, I mean, how do you feel, you know, that, so this plan came out, obviously, the governor's budget proposal now. So for our next fiscal year, our fiscal year 25, yeah. which will start October 1 of next year, the governor's mm -hmm. proposal is out in front of the legislature. The legislature literally, as we speak, is currently working through yeah. that proposal and will send their own back to the governor. How yeah. do you feel about the way things are moving right now as far as from the governor's proposal and maybe some things we should be looking for as a legislature starts to dig into this as well. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And actually, that's kind of one of the things that I wanted to talk about. I think this is really going to require kind of an all hands on deck from the advocates actually to sort of make this plan happen. I think, you know, one of the things um, to your point is, you know, in order for this to work, pre-K for all to work, you, you can't cherry pick these recommendations, right? This is a comprehensive strategy to make this work. And so um, as we think about sort of our advocacy strategy going forward, we wanna be thinking about all of the recommendations. I think 
you know, the governor's budget proposal is kind of a first step towards some of these. I think the things that are most encouraging that reflect the, the plan is the higher per child allocation, for example, uh, moving forward, because we recommend that as a way to sort of get to compensation parity as, as a first step. Um, also, the differential for providing five day a week um, uh, care. It's I think the they're proposing something like a, a $10,000 um, for four day and then a 12,000 for, for five day. And so having sort of that incentive to provide, um, you know, five day a week care is important because it does cost more to do that. Um, and so, you know, we are seeing, you know, some, some pretty good steps forward. I think we need to be thinking about like all of these different pieces, I think particularly around like continuing to increase the per child allocation and, and also, um, well, I'll stop there, but I think, you know, there's, there's a lot still to be done. Yeah, and, and as I said, and now we move into the kind of the legislative yeah. pro part of this process, right, where different political yeah. factors weigh in and different interests yeah. um, will certainly make their voices heard as well. And we, frankly, we saw some of that last year, which was concerning yeah. to a lot of folks as well, yeah. and some efforts made to really kind of shift the trajectory of our overall pre-K program. Mm -hmm. um, so no, I think that's, I think you're absolutely right. And I couldn't agree more. I think it is an all hands on deck. I think some, there's certainly a clear role for advocates to play. And I think, you know, fidelity to the plan or fidelity to the, the roadmap is going to be a, a key component of what we're talking about and what we're, you know, advocating for in our conversations with, with legislators and continuing with the administration as well. Um, let's dig into one more component. I know that, that Franny talked a little bit about yesterday, but but the idea of equity, right? And so, I, you know, one of the concerns I think we have from Michigan's children's standpoint, and I think some other advocates share as well, is that, you know, even before last January, when the governor announced this, this universal pre-K goal, we had been, you know, doing a, a decent job in Michigan of providing access to four-year-old pre-K for those at the economic, the lower end of the economic scale. And for those um, more challenged economically or socioeconomically. Um, now, as we shift towards universality, we lose some of that equity focus, right? And so what, what is the plan? What did, how did you address that in the plan? Yeah. And, and how, maybe talk a little bit about that, because that's, you know, I think yeah. a concern for advocates as well, is that now we're shifting this as to more of a benefit, frankly, to, to middle and upper income families, and not just focused on where, where the greatest need is, maybe. Yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping we don't lose the focus on equity. I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, we talk about in the plan is that, yes, we, you know, we want to remove the income eligibility gap, right, to to sort of reduce the stigma and to make sure that we can get these classrooms fully enrolled. But you're still prioritizing the children who have the greatest needs first. And I think, you know, what we learned through the process is that, you know, the ISDs that are implementing this have already, even within sort of the, the fact that, you know, you might be serving children below 300% of poverty, they still have a uh, a schedule for prioritizing different kids. And we don't necessarily, even when we sort of open it up to universal, we don't want them to lose that sort of priority, um, you know, mechanism. And so we want to continue to prioritize those. And in fact, that, you know, when we um, started this process, the, you know, the governor gave us like a set of guiding principles. And one of the guiding principles was we need to continue to serve the lowest income children first. And so, you know, thinking about that and also, you know, thinking a little bit about, you know, I'm in DC, we have universal pre-K in DC. Um, and, you know, thinking about how important it is to have sort of mixed income settings for children and sort of the benefits of that. And so I think, you know, between the, you know, the, 
continuing to prioritize these low income low income children first, um, regardless of sort of the eligibility threshold, and then sort of the benefits around sort of you know having mixed income settings. I think you know I, we're, we're I think we're continuing to move in the right direction. And as you you know from the budget, Matt, I mean the the increase in GSRP funding is only gonna allow another 6,800 children in. And so the question is, if we go to universal, we're still not able to serve all kids. We, we need to continue to prioritize. Um, the, yeah, and even that things. number is a little bit up in the air when we talk about yeah. five day and the increased allotment yeah. for a full yeah. week at 12. No, I understand that. All right, so what? give me a couple of, maybe what, what keeps you up at night? What are you most concerned about maybe as something that could get lost, you know, and, and that could be a big, problem if it is not followed uh, as as this process moves along? Uh, workforce, like getting finding the teachers, compensating them adequately. I think, um, you know, we heard a lot about that. It's like being able to find, um, you know, teachers to be able to serve in these roles. And I, I think one of the things that, you know, we worked on and, um, you know, in the implementation plan is uh, what we call the compensation first strategy. I think there's so many um, you know, programs that are like, okay, if you meet this, you know, credential, if you get a BA, then we will ultimately pay you more money, right? But we find from some research from the University of Virginia that it's exceptionally hard, given the current wages of early childhood educators, to stay in that educational system to get that credential, to get that um, additional funding. And so we were really um, focused on this compensation first strategy. Like if you're a lead teacher of pre-K for all, you should be getting sort of parity with a K-12 teacher. And then with the understanding that you're going to ultimately get those credentials, because we want to keep those teachers in the workforce and getting the credential. So it's a, it's really like, for me, this is a, an amazing way to improve the quality uh, of, of um, early childhood settings sort of in Michigan. And, um, but this, but not doing it that way is is a concern. So, um, and, and just making sure that we can really get educators, stabilize them, keep them in our workforce and move them along this educational trajectory towards the credentials of, of GSRP. Um, it's, it's gonna be a heavy lift. Yeah, and even to dig into that a little more, I mean, that's one of the big concerns from the providers, right? The traditional childcare yeah. providers as well yeah. is losing their workforce to right. other <clears throat> GSRP providers, right? And that, exactly. and, and watching out for that as a potential pitfall, I know is yeah. a real concern from a lot of the folks that we're hearing from as well. Um, yeah. And not to, you know, and I mean, the workforce has been an issue long before we ever even started talking about UPK, right? right? And the workforce is an issue yeah. in every state that, you know, where child, uh, in childcare across the country, there are workforce concerns and compensation is right at the front of it. But, but yeah. I think, you know, that, Viewing this as an opportunity to address that, I right. think is great, but we have to be really careful and really, I think, committed and focused on how we're utilizing this increased investment, frankly, in young children yeah. and in early education to strengthen the workforce across all of it, I think, is is really where the challenge is from our standpoint yeah. as well. So I'm glad to hear you yeah. say that. Yeah, and I, I, I do think, you know, the other thing is like, you know, it's it's just really difficult 
to focus just on one age of, of the birth to five continuum, right? And so, you know, the other piece of this that is of concern is, okay, how are we going to be focusing on sort of infant and toddlers? And we know that, you know, everything that we're experiencing with um, issues in pre-K are multiplied numerous times for infant and toddler care. And so we need to be really thinking about how we're continuing to support sort of, you know, the other, other parts of the system too, so. Yeah, and that, and I mean, frankly, that's part of been part of the frustration I think from us and from some other advocates with the administration since this started is at the same time we're seeing this focus on early childhood from our governor, which is a good mm -hmm. thing, but we're seeing it narrowly focused for the most part on four year olds. Where in other states you're seeing a broader focus on early childhood, uh, on the birth to five continuum, and on on state you know resources and investments and prioritization around that continuum rather than just four-year-olds. And so I think that's part of the challenge here in Michigan. But yep. uh, but we're committed to, to seeing it through. And thankfully, uh, because of the efforts of you and your group and the, and the over 4,000 people that, that reached out and participated in this process, at least we have a roadmap to follow and a plan to, to guide us and, and obviously a lot of work to do ahead of us. Any closing thoughts here as we close out that uh, you want people to be aware of or to think about? Uh, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to to talk. I think, you know, again, you know, this is going to require the advocacy of all of us to to really implement this in a way that's going to be beneficial to child care providers, to, you know, those who are serving infants and toddlers. And so just um, hope everyone has a chance to read the plan and, you know, please reach out to me if there are any questions and look forward to working with all of you on, on sort of getting it fully implemented. Well, thanks again, Jeff. Thanks for all the work that you're doing, and thanks for agreeing to be a part of this. Uh, and thanks to everybody for listening. And you can find more information about this issue and follow this issue uh, as it moves through the process and as all the twists and turns that come with it on our website at michiganschildren.org and look for future editions of uh, of the Speaking for Kids podcast and other programming we do about, about these issues and other issues that are important to kids and families here in Michigan. Thanks and have a good day. You've been listening to Speaking for Kids, the podcast for Michigan's children with host Matt Gillard. Thanks for joining us. To explore these and other issues relevant to our state's children, youth, and families, and to build your advocacy muscle, go to our website at www.michiganschildren.org. You'll find links and news about past and future podcast topics under our resource tab and action alerts under the Take Action tab. Find and like us on Facebook and Twitter. Terry Bannis and Stephen Wallace produced this podcast. Contact them with your questions and ideas for other topics. Michigan's Children is a nonprofit advocacy organization, an independent voice working to reduce disparities in child outcomes from cradle to career through policy change.